This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. Hello and welcome to a brand new season here at Energy Sport. We're all gearing up for yet another year of SPFL action and at the time of recording our preview podcast for the Scottish Championship should already be out on our feed so make sure to go and check that out for our opinions on the best league in the world in my opinion anyway. Today however we are tackling the Scottish Premiership and all it has to offer with plenty to suggest that this could be an absolute corker of a season. My name is Jack Donnelly and I am delighted to be back podcasting on Energy Sport for what will sadly be my last season provided all goes to plan and the same can be said for the three fine gentlemen joining me on today's podcast. First comes a man that surprised me with his availability to be honest as I imagined that he'd be busy watching either coverage of the Olympics or Love Island on catch-up. Graeme Sinclair, it's great to have you with me today. Jack, you've got it all wrong. Those two programmes are just we're in the sweet spot where neither of them are actually happening. <laughs> so I've caught you the perfect time then. Perfect time. It's half eleven in Tokyo. So all the sports are done in Love Island's not until nine o'clock in the evening. So twenty six minutes past three, never a better time to podcast. So my best buds. <laughs> well, I am delighted to have you. It's been far too long since you and I have sat on a on a podcast talking absolute nonsense together. So I'm looking forward to the next hour plus because when has our energy sport podcast ever been less than an hour long yeah, emphasis on the plus yeah, emphasis on the plus indeed uh, we're also joined by a man who will be hoping that after his other team in green uh, failed to get the job done last night he's hoping that Hibs will be able to get through against Santa Coloma tonight Stu and Garvey welcome back mate thanks for having me I'm, I, I'm not a Celtic fan I should state that uh, right now <laughs> just to get the formalities out of the way there yeah I'm not a Celtic fan but uh, I am looking forward to this season as if I was a Celtic fan, I would not be looking forward to this season. Well, that, that's all to be to be discussed uh, in a little bit. But finally, it would not be a return to Energy Sport Podcasting without the man full of rambles, big shouts, and more contrasting adverbs than you could imagine anyone being able to cope with. It's definitely, probably, potentially Taylor Murray. How are you doing, mate? We're back! <laughs> We're back, mate. We're back! We're and- back! <laughs> Oh, what a season this is going to be. You know, a smile on my face. It's going to be a good season. It just, you know, it's just there. It's written in the stars for this to be a memorable last year, you know, a memorable last season podcast of Energy Sports. A memorable season in general. Oh, he really does like his speeches, doesn't he? <laughs> he really does love his speeches. Oh, mate, you're, mate, you're making me G'd up, Taylor. You're getting, me, you're getting me excited for this even more than I already was. Right. Uh, we are just going to be sticking with the format that we had in the Championship Preview Podcast and we're going to be running through the 12 teams in the league in alphabetical order, having a chat about each for locking in our final league standings towards the end and potentially making up a few big shouts of our own to round things off. So that has us kicking things off with Aberdeen, with the Dons having finished in fourth last season, securing a spot of European football via the new European Conference League. Taylor, I'm going to be coming to you first here, mate. Uh, Stephen Glass, he joined the club towards the end of last season, replacing Derek McInnes after eight years at the club and had to get the fans back on side after a really torrid goalless spell. I mean, they really, really struggled to find the back of the net for a lot of the back end of last season. But, I mean, given that he's brought uh, in a proven Premiership striker in J. Emmanuel Thomas, who really excelled last season at, at Livingston, as well as Christian Ramirez from the Houston Dynamo, I mean, he certainly targeted the right area to get the fans back in, hasn't he? Oh no, yeah, 
it's um, on paper it looks positive and it looks like he's now covering the areas that he needed to you know cover. Uh, last season was very worrying for them considering that I think it was only Dundee United, Hamilton and Ross County who had scored fewer goals than them so that is not a good sign because Aberdeen are meant to be a club that are challenging at the top. So on paper um, it does look like he's targeted as he need and especially getting Jay uh, Manuel Thomas the jet in because I, I feel like he is a good striker for the Scottish football. He has all the attributes that um, you know a team like Aberdeen would probably thrive off of, and also you know getting some in you know a, a little bit left field like Christian Ramirez for Houston Dynamo. That's a player that I'm actually quite excited to see, but also see what he can bring about. You know, scoring his debut and uh, his competitive debut in the Conference League mm-hmm. uh, qualifying. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Stephen Glass signs or have got to help score them up the league. Uh, absolutely, it's going to be an interesting season for those two kind of forward men, absolutely. But, Graham, just wanted to come to you just to touch on the, the new-ish man in charge, I suppose we can say, because he's had that little stint in Scotland already just in the back end of last season, Stephen Glass. I mean, compared to the football that was getting played under Denny McInnes last season, it was really, mm-hmm. really just kind of lacklustre and not really anything inspiring but Glass is going to be coming in with that kind of sense of let's revitalise let's go about this a completely different way do you think it was quite important for him to come in before uh, the end of the season just to start laying the foundations for hopefully a massive season for the Dons yeah I think you hit the nail on the head there at the end of that question Aberdeen made a really wise choice they got rid of McInnes maybe through the season last year and rather than settling into the manager and work things out in the summer they were very proactive in getting Stephen Glass and it was Stephen Glass pretty much from the second Jeff McInnes went out that Stephen Glass was going to be the man that took it, took over from him uh, and it was rough it was very very rough Taves Taylor mentioned he lacked goals I mean uh, I went through their season last year didn't score three goals they scored three goals against Celtic on the 20th of October and didn't score three goals again for the rest of the season in one game that is and if you'd asked me seven days ago about Aberdeen, I think it would have been a lot more negative than I'm going to be. I'm actually very positive. Mm-hmm. But the, as I'm sure everyone knows, he beat BK Haken. Haken, I think it is. Haken, yeah. I was speaking last week, 5 1 in Europa League, and that's an absolutely terrific result for them. Massive. I mean, that's, Haken are no pushovers. They are a team middle in the Swedish League, and you think Aberdeen, they can absolutely beat that team. But to smash them 5 1, and I listened to that game on the radio, and there was signs beyond the result for Aberdeen fans to be positive. The, some of the football they played was outstanding. They got their midfielders forward in that game into the box. Using them is not just ball holders and kind of negative passers they were actually getting them into great positions and looking for them to get involved in the goals Lewis Ferguson got a 30 yard Funzo Ojo who I think a lot of people thought might be a bit dead I don't know, I think his career might be a bit dead but it was excellent and just it's completely changed my mind about what Aberdeen can do this season I mean I didn't really know whether to kind of read too much into these early uh, conference league qualifiers because I mean Hecken and Santa Coloma from the Hibs perspective I just didn't know how much of a challenge that they would pose but kind of looking into Hecken more they're definitely <laughs> able to cause problems had they kind of turned up but that really did show a statement of intent from Aberdeen in the get-go the fact that they were able to score five goals in a match having not scored three more than once last season and uh, 
they're, they're obviously playing again tonight on the day recording. We're recording this on Thursday the 29th, so they're playing away in Sweden tonight. So we can just need to see whether... I mean, it's almost guaranteed that they'll be progressing, but it's just whether we can see them do the business once again uh, or whether they'll potentially go a bit more reserved considering that they're going to be kicking off the season this weekend at home to Dundee United. Uh, I suppose, Graham, I want to kind of stick with you and talk about what this could kind of mean in terms of their European presence because we, we've kind of mentioned Aberdeen before in the sense of they kind of seem to lack any idea of where they want to be. Like We don't really know what Aberdeen are wanting to do in terms of being a club and where they want to be finishing every year. They seem to kind of be content if they get into third and then that can seem to be the be-all and end-all. So do you think that this extra kind of competition that can almost kind of get the blood boiling if there, if there are kind of the more manageable opposition that they could potentially have a bit more ambition going forward? I don't think the ambition for everything is necessarily in the results this season. In the way that the Conference League might present more of an opportunity for them, but it's still going to be a very tough one. If they get through here, they'll play also Vienna, which I think is a very winnable tie, but that's still another round, and I'm sure that their potential opponents in the last round will be very tough. So in, that, in, the, in the Premiership, they were fourth last season. They're really only going to go up one spot. So for, for me, what Aberdeen, their big difference this season, what they need to do is just the style of football. I mean, Derek McInnes' style in his tenure was horrific. It was defensive, it was negative, it was so boring to watch. And this season, if, if Aberdeen had, let's say, the same season, they didn't do well in the... Like, they went up at the third or fourth stage in the Europa League, didn't do that great in the Cups, and they finished fourth in the league. But they do it playing incredibly attractive football and getting lots of goals. I think Aberdeen fans will be content. Right. I think they're hoping for more, but I think they'll be content with that. Football, changing the style of football is the number one priority for them and I think the early signs are promising in that regard I completely agree uh, Struan, and coming to you here Graham mentioned something there in his kind of, when he was chatting about the hacking game that the midfielders were being afforded a lot more space going forward, Lewis Ferguson in particular he obviously picked up two goals in that game uh, I think a massive part of why that's happening is potentially the fact that Scott Brown has come in obviously the ex-Celtic captain joined on a free this summer uh, and I think him being able to sit deeper is going to allow Lewis Ferguson that additional freedom to move himself forward, move him up the pitch and get involved in the attacking phases a lot more regularly. And soon there is always that speculation that Ferguson could be moving on. But, I mean, with some more attacking freedom, could we see a much more standout season from the midfielder this year? Yeah, I think for sure. I think that's one of the things that Brown is going to give to this team, you know, not just his leadership and the experience he brings, but he's going to help those around him. And Lewis Ferguson is probably one of the players who will benefit the most, if not the most, with his arrival. Scored two goals against Haken. Very impressive, as you say as well. There's been a lot of speculation around him. I don't know if perhaps he now may be changing his mind if he would rather stay at Aberdeen at least for one more season just to see how he gets on with Brown. But from the Scott Brown point of view, I think it's an excellent signing for Aberdeen. I really do. And I think it's just going to be one of those catalysts to help almost everybody in that team. Uh, he does kind of have that uh, that character. He's all, he's always known as a character in Scottish football, isn't isn't he, Scott Brown? So we'd see how that translates across to an Aberdeen squad rather than a Celtic one. Speaking of Celtic, they're next on the list. We've got the Celtic football, the Celtic football circus. No, that must have misspelled it. It's meant to say football club. Uh, I mean, there's no dancing around it. The Hoops had an incredibly poor season last year, blowing the chance to complete ten in a row being marred in numerous controversies throughout the season and actually having to play Vasilius Barkas and go consistently. Uh, suffice to say, fans wanted plenty of changes coming into the new season 
Now I've got I've got some questions I'm ready to ask, but Graham, I just wanted to know your initial notes for Celtic when you were preparing, because you said you were you were that excited to be back back podcasting, you were actually preparing some notes for this one. Well, don't expose me like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm Graham just doesn't do notes. Every, Graham I'm doesn't not, do notes and things on the heat. Very well prepared, but that this one you actually wanted to put down your thoughts rather than keep, yeah. them, keep them personally up in your head. Uh, so, what did you have for Celtic in terms of your notes this, this time? Uh, Oh, I've got a few notes in every team, but for Celtic, I guess put ha 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 ha
there should be concern. In the, obviously, they have massive concerns. I mean, contrast to Aberdeen, who we just talked about, who I think for a while, a lot of us are sort of just kind of completely middle and and struggle and struggles well and look at what they did getting class in early. Celtic, Neil Lennon left in February and Celtic waited until July to get a manager in. Didn't send any players. And yesterday, losing to Midgetland, you saw the, the results of that. And they put the back, the back five featured three players that aren't going to be part of Celtic's team. Like Spain put them with the goalkeeper. Ralston, who thought that say wasn't too bad yesterday, isn't Celtic quality. And young Dave Murray just got thrown into the wolves and he didn't do too bad, but you can tell he wasn't at the level that yeah. he needs to be at yet. So, interesting that it's coming from me. But I, don't, I don't think we should be reading too much into Celtic so far. This Celtic that we've seen right now is not the Celtic we will see in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I think I've watched, the, I watched both of their ties because I was just starving for some sort of football. And there is an interest in Celtic, obviously. It's just, it's not, I hope they lose interest, but it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> and I did see signs, particularly in the home leg, that some of the foot, attacking football that Postacoglu is trying to introduce could have an effect. Particularly with McGregor and Christie, who I thought looked revitalised after pretty terrible seasons by their standards. Mm. So, not a good start, but not Angie's fault. Some positive signs. I think for the future and I think we're maybe getting a bit carried away about how bad this Celtic team might be yeah I think time's certainly going to tell with uh, what happens with this Celtic team because the signings they have made haven't all actually played for the club yet and I would imagine there's going to be at least a few more to come but Taylor given everything involved in the club thus far what would be the bare minimum for Celtic this season because I mean modern day Celtic fans have nothing but trophies and glory for the last decade I mean it's just been treble after treble realistically uh, and they do expect that same level of success especially after a season without and I mean given that any Champions League presence is out of the question now what should Postacoglu be aiming for to satisfy the fan base? Uh, to start with um, short term uh, he has to get into the Europa League uh, if he drops into the Conference League then that is a big red flag instantly because you know Team or no team, they should be making the Europa League. Like Celtic are a club that should be, you know, in the group stage of Europa League probably, you know, year in, year out. And if they don't make it this year, uh, even with, you know, the limited team that they say they have, um, it's got to be, you know, worrying. Um, Long term, uh, he's got to at least, you know, at old farm clubs, you're always expected to win a trophy. And... There's only exceptional circumstances where a club like the size of Rangers Celtic can go a season without a, uh, without a trophy and it being okay. Um, I don't think this is one of the exceptional circumstances. If Celtic finish another season trophyless, then there's got to be probably ramifications on a board level, boardroom level, and I feel like Celtic fans are on the teetering edge of even right now, given uh, their, you know, lusterous trophy cabinet over the last 10 years, they're still not entirely happy with that board, and if it gets to, you know, a second season without any trophy, without any even form of progress, then it could be possibly protests that I'm finding words to. I'm finding this hard to describe. Mm. Like I feel like I'm not gonna say it's gonna be like riots and you know they're 
ousting folk, but it's going to be more of a, you'll see a stronger stance against Celtic, against the fans, and trying to, you know, probably get changes to that board. That's what it looks like from the outside, and given how unhappy they are, because a lot of Celtic fans don't even blame Postanoglu right now. They're saying that he's been given the worst hand. I think it was Chris Sutton that said that, that he's been given the worst hand to be dealt with than the last 20 years as a Celtic manager. And that's a quite a big claim, by the way, considering you know, some of the managers have had and some of the, the problems that they've had. So, yeah, it's, as I would say, answer to your question, I would say the bare minimum would be a trophy. A trophy. I, to make sure they don't go for a trophy this season. Even at that, they probably won't be happy about it. I'm not saying that they'll be, uh, that'll be them, they'll be content, but mm-hmm. it's got to be a trophy and maybe, maybe it's the league, maybe it's a, maybe it's the League Cup, I don't know, but they've got to at least find a trophy somewhere, by the way. Maybe off a back of a lorry or something. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that. Uh, I think I agree with you, to be honest. I think a trophy is bare minimum, and I think what needs to be there as well, that gap towards Rangers needs to be closed. I think if if we are all predicting that it is going to be an old firm one and two again, as it has been, uh, I, I think that to satisfy any of those Celtic fans, that gap needs to be closer if Celtic are to finish second. If they finish first, then I think Andrew might have overachieved with this squad that he's got. I mean, we'll get on to our predictions for the final league table, but I, th- I think it's going to be a very, very tall order if Celtic are to get another league title under the belt this season. And I think it's going to be a real struggle if that is the primary aim of the club going forward. But time will tell. I mean, it's still a very, very raw Celtic squad in terms of Angie hasn't been able to put his full stamp on it yet and he's not been able to get all the players he's wanted in so we'll just need to wait and see if he does get those players eventually. Can I, can I quickly just banner Jack? I was just, I was having a look at the Celtics games at the start of the season see when I was doing my notes and that mm-hmm. and um, I've wrote down that it's going to be a rough season for them after they drop points in the opening five games and I thought that might be a wee bit harsh, you can't dictate a team you know especially under a big change in five games, but considering they've got teams like Hearts away, Dundee at home, Cement home, then you've got the first old firm where they're at Ibrox, then Ross County away where they've had, you know, issues before, Mm. it is a big opening five games for them, and if they do drop points, you know, in two of the five games, it is going to be a very rough season for them, and I don't think they've got the mentality to get back into that as we've seen last year. No, and obviously they've got uh, Europa League qualifiers in amongst that all uh, away and at home to Jablonek, uh, as, as I'm seeing in the, the fixture list there, so they've got that to deal with in amongst those Premiership fixtures as well. Uh, we'll move on from Celtic now and we'll go on to the first of the newly promoted sides in this season's Premiership. Dundee came up via way of the playoffs as they dumped Kilmarnock out of the top flight over two legs, much to my happiness. Uh, Graham, oftentimes in Championship last season there were two different sides to this Dundee. Uh, one looked like a Premiership quality side and they were able to kind of waltz their way past their uh, opponents fairly easily. But there was also the Dundee side that lost 3-1 at home to us, uh, Air United, and lost another kind of few games they really shouldn't have done. <laughs> How do you suppose James McPay kind of goes about getting that element of consistency uh, in the football that he's playing, if he can at all? I think inconsistency is part of the nature of the championship, but I would push back a slight, slightly on your kind of thing that Dundee got a good good Dundee and bad Dundee, like game to game. 
that they had a bad first half of the season. They were they were not good in the first half of the season. But see, after the game against you, Jack, didn't lose a single time. Yeah, eight wins in a row, and just to, to put it in simple terms, and this is there's more to it. Dundee Football Club go as far as Charlie Adam takes them. I mean, it's quite. As, I, th- I think it's actually quite as simple as that in that sense. James McPake's a fine manager. I thought he improved throughout the year because he was under some serious pressure midway through yeah. because they just did not look good. I watched some of their games and they just seemed so reliant on Adam doing some bits of magic and reliant on crosses to score every single one of their goals and it just wasn't working. It just At one point, didn't even look like they could maybe even make the playoffs. But they made some interesting changes in particular. I would point out Jordan McGee going in next to Charlie Adam mm-hmm. is something that turned their season around. But Ultimately, Charlie Adams is the best player Dundee have. He is so gifted. He's still probably one of the most gifted players in the entire league. And if he can keep at the level he was at last year, Dundee will stay up. And to be honest with you, the only concern there is, I was worried about the physical side of the game for Charlie Adams last year. He's a wonderful footballer, but fitness-wise, he's never been there and he's getting a bit older. Does the only what concern I have there just does the step up a league and the step up in professionalism and fitness does that expose Charlie Adam a bit more and make it harder to play him? Does he get exploited by the opposition for not being able to run about and press and do a lot of off ball stuff? Does that hurt Dundee? And if that happens, I could see him getting drawn into a relegation battle. But for, I don't see that. I think he'll be fine, and I think Dundee could surprise a few folk. I have a feeling they will as well, and I, and I really think that Charlie Adam was a massive catalyst for their success in the championship, and I think they're probably going to try and move away from that as, as much as possible. It sounds silly, but they're probably going to try and make sure that the responsibility doesn't solely lie with him, is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> they're obviously still going to utilise Charlie Adam to the best of his ability, because he's probably in that squad individually the best player. Absolutely, no, no doubt about that. Uh, but Hopefully, he's going to have a bit more uh, firepower ahead of him to uh, supply uh, with service. Uh, Taylor, there's been a number of attacking additions to this Dundee side over the window. Uh, former Celtic circuit Killian Sheridan joined from Wizard Plock. Uh, Paul McMullen made his move across the street, let alone the city, permanent. Uh, and they brought in uh, talented winger Luke McCowan from A United, who definitely deserves to be playing at Premiership level. He's definitely good enough. So add in the likes of Jason Cummins up front. I mean, there's plenty of goals in this side, surely, and plenty of opportunity for Charlie Adams to get the assists racked up. Yeah, that's the. Oh. Yeah, there we go. There we there you go. go. That you uh, There we go. I'm sorted. Um, that is the thing, Charlie Adam. Will provide a service. It's just finding a striker who will, you know, clinically take the balls that he'll be, you know, giving them. Mm-hmm. And as you said, they've made a number of great signings. You know, I think yeah, ones that prove as a, as always at this time of season on paper that I feel that could uh, be positive for them. However, I'm gonna go with a bold shout. You know, we're about twenty minutes in. I've not made one, so this is mine. There's gonna be one big player for them that's gonna be key. And it's not anyone they've signed, it's someone they already have. Go on then. That's Jason Cummins. Okay. I feel he he is going to thrive for Dundee this season. Um, He's going to be the man that they'll rely on. This, is abso- this isn't based on anything, by the way. This is just clearly based on a hunch. How the limited times he played last season, how I feel like he did for them. 
Um, I just I can see him being you know a vital player for them, and this might not be the case, but it, I feel like he never truly got his chance um, with Rangers. You know, considering everything they were going through, and um, it, it was a rough time. So I'm not gonna base him on that. Um, it's a wee bit far back for me to remember exactly his time with Hibs, you know, watching him anyway. So, just given here now, I feel Jason Cummins is going to be a man that Dundee will rely on. Uh, same way the fact is, even Kelly and Sheridan, he could be, he could, you know, come in and just take it by storm. And we all Can we? Can he? Can he? I don't know. I'm just saying that it's a possibility. That's what I'm saying. He could it's, a, it's, a, it's a possibility that, yeah, that Ross County can win the league. But <laughs> aye, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen. I'm saying that he could. But um, Jason Cummins, I just feel, is the... He's got to be the key man there. You know, maybe Paul McMullen. Will, will, will he, you know, just come back and bite Dundee United in the backside? I, I don't know. But, I remember uh, Kelly and Sheridan's time at in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, honestly, that was eight years ago, and I honestly thought it was just a meme at this point. I'm, I'm not even sure it exists. <laughs> Until you saying for Dundee, I was like, oh my god, Kelly and Sheridan, I thought it was just a meme at this point. It was just that name for my time forgotten, honestly. <laughs> when I saw his life, I was like, surely not that, Kelly and Sheridan, and then it was. In his last few seasons, he's played in the Polish League, scoring twice, the Israeli League, scoring four times, once in the Australian League, he's played in Cyprus, he's played in Bulgaria. It's just, what a mental career. What was he in his early 30s? Or? 32. Uh-huh. After leaving Kelly, he went to Apoel Nicosia, then on to Omonia Nicosia. I believe it's Nicosia. Nicosia. Don't, don't want to have friends or separate listeners. Sorry, of course not. No, we never want to. And then on to Omonia Nicosia. Then Yagielonia. Let's not try this. Bialystok. Wellington Phoenix, I can do that one. Hapoel Eroni Kriachimona. And then Wesla Plock. That is journeyman doesn't even begin to cover it. I don't think so. So basically, what you're saying is he's got to be a top goal scorer. This yeah, season. exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. what we've landed on. <laughs> and just not trying to like hurt Taylor's feelings, but Jason Cummings' career, two Premiership goals <laughs> in his entire career. So, bold prediction, I'm sure. Oh, but now that's what we're all about this year, isn't it? This is how we're going out. In our last but, year, we're just making go hard to go home. Well, he once uh, went to Nottingham Forest for a million pounds, so... And it depends if he's got his, uh, one goal for him. It depends <laughs> if he's got his Pirlo haircut or not. That's what it's all going to come down to. <laughs> just, don't, just don't let him take any penalties. <laughs> uh, Struan, how do we actually see them taken to their return in the top flight? I mean, do we see them aiming for safety and no more? Or do we reckon they'll be looking to kind of push higher up into the mid-table? Well, I've, I've got them in quite a favourable position that we'll get onto later in the predictions for the league table, but I, I, I don't expect they'll be in the relegation zone. I, th- I think they're one of these teams who are quite difficult to call in the sense that if they are in the relegation zone, you know, they've just come up from the championships, maybe to be expected. But then at the same time, I think Graham touched on it really well, you know, they, they have been a very good team. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really interested to see how Charlie Adams gets on. I think quite a few people last season thought, you know, that's a signing for the Premiership, you know, is that a name, is that... Is that where he's going? Obviously, he probably is still one of the most talented players in the league on his day. And I'll just be interested as well to see how how they get on. I mean, Sheridan's pretty tall as well. If they want to go back to the crossing, maybe maybe he'll be the key to that. You never know. I'd, I'd expect good things, to be honest, from a Dundee point of view this season. But then again, I suppose it does depend on your definition of good for a couple yeah. who've just been promoted. Second half of the season, Dundee are better than more than one team in the Scottish Premiership. There we go. I would back that, to be honest. I, I can I can, I can really attest to that as well. 
Uh, we'll find that out later. We're going to head just across the street to Tanadice now with Dundee United, who finished in a pretty respectable ninth post split, uh, eight points clear of the playoffs, and what was a pretty solid first season back in the Premiership. Uh, Taylor, kind of, it was an odd end to the season because Mickey Mellon joined United after a spell at Tranmere Rovers once Robin Nielsen departed and went back to Hearts, but despite a fairly solid finish in the table and a decent cup run as well, it was announced that he'd be leaving the club and the club chose to pro promote from within. Uh, Tam Courts took up the role of head coach after his work in the Youth Academy. What did you make of this appointment and how do you see Courts faring in the top flight? Um, if there's one phrase I can use to describe this, it's bold. It's a bold move. Um, it's one that can work, but as we've seen in the past, a lot of the time, you know, promoting within doesn't really. Um, there have been exceptions. Uh, I felt like Mickey Mellon done what was expected of him. I thought he was a good manager for Dundee United, and him moving on, as you said, uh, unexpectedly, was a shock to me. Uh, it's weird because I remember at the start of the season Mickey Mellon came in he was talking about he was doing a book for uh, the first 100 days in management I don't even did he even spend 100 days at Dundee United to even get that book filled I don't it's uh, it's weird because I actually can't base this off anything I, I hadn't heard it really Tam Court until you know he, his name was linked to this mm-hmm. don't worry no one had so it's yeah, so it's one that's came completely left field and they're the ones that throw up the best surprises by the way, so we could be in for an exciting season. <laughs> I think exciting's definitely the word that would uh, sum up a lot of the discussion uh, pre season, but it might not sum up the way that Dundee played foot Dundee United sorry, played football last season and I feel like Graham was potentially gonna get onto that there. Because it was really kind of dull uh, a lot of the time from Dundee United last season. Just really, tends to the most, the least entertaining team to watch in the division uh, for a lot of the last campaign. And I think they scored less goals than some perhaps expected with someone like Lauren Shanklin leading the line. But, Graham, are we expecting anything different this season under a new manager? Or, I mean, should we gear up for another year of a fairly turgid and inspired United side? I have Dundee United down as the biggest unknown in the league this year. Basically, and Taylor said, said I don't mean push back on Taylor again, Taylor said Tam Coach was bold. My word to the time Tam Coach's appointment would be skint. And Dundee Dun United yeah. are in something serious financial trouble right now. And if you look at the ring comings, it's not great. They haven't made much in the, in the way of sign-ins to improve the squad. They've lost quite a few players that I thought had something about them. And I just, I'm a bit worried about them. Actually, more like going through my prep for this, they're the kind of team that I thought, let me get a bit better. Um, I'm very, very worried about what may happen to Dundee United. Especially so if they go down, because if they go down, they may go down, like further down. Far down. In a, not in a football sense, and like in a. You, exactly you fucked. Sense. You fucked. <laughs> and you mentioned on the pitch, I mean. Lowest scorers in the league last season lost McNulty, who was one of their strikers, and they're basically just praying that Lauren Shanklin has a better season than he did last season. And that last season was uh, as bad as Lauren Shanklin can be, mm-hmm. and he still has got a few goals. And that this season it'll be much better because that's kind of the only ray of hope for the United. Mm. 
it's true, and I suppose something does kind of get called into question when you consider Lauren Shanklin, though, in that you could probably argue that Dundee United probably get the biggest fee for him out of anyone in the in the squad, and if they are struggling financially and they want to stay in the division, they'll probably need another couple of players because, I mean, Trevor Carson comes in, he's probably a decent enough kind of back-up or competition for Benjamin Segrist, and Charlie Mulgrew, I mean, he's got Premiership experience, but I'm not certain that they can survive just based on those two signings alone. So do you think it could be a case of they might have to bite the bullet and sell Shanklin there's another few players to be able to bring others in? Or they should stick to what they've got and hope everything can come down to that one player. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, an argument for that. You know, do you sell him now when his value is good? Because if he does have another poor season, that value will definitely go down. But I think as well, what he can offer to them, as Graham said, McNulty's left. That's a massive loss for them. You know, who's going to bring the goals now? But I think the main player that Dundee United need to keep hold of is Seagrest. He was fantastic last season, probably won them more points than anyone really in the way they played I think they'll be very important that they can hold on to him so I think it's it's just two opposite ends of the pitch there really with Shanklin and Seagrest I'm really impressed with the Mulgrew signing I, th- I keep going back to the free kick that he scored in pre-season it was absolutely excellent and I think from that point of view you know I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he is one of United's top goal scorers this season just through set pieces and could be one of the main sources of goals to be honest yeah absolutely <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry, were you going to add something in there? I was nodding in agreement at Struan that McGrew might be a big source of goals for them because somebody has to be. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, if he finished top scorer like in this coming season, I wouldn't be that surprised. No, I don't think that's that far-fetched. Could that be your big shout then, Struan, McGrew finishes as United's top goal scorer this season? It could be my top shout. Um, I'll probably make some more pretty bold ones later on without even realising, but I'm... Um, Good. Yeah, I'll go, for, I'll, go, I'll go for that one permanently. Uh, currently, sorry. Currently, there we go. Uh, moving on to the second of the promoted sides, uh, with Hearts looking less than dominant as they claim the championship title and regained their place in the top flight after their relegation. Their relegation. Uh, Struan, from a personal standpoint for you, Hearts' return means one thing, and that's that Edinburgh Derbys are back. How are you feeling about that? Uh, pretty nervous in all honesty Hearts have had the better in the recent derbies we saw last season the cup game from the season prior to last season it gets very confusing that Hearts <laughs> did beat Hibs in that one in the end through a through penalty and extra time and just in the league recently Hearts have had the better of the derbies so you know from that point of view it's worrying but then again it's good to have the derbies back I think Hibs going into them just about at the start of the season will definitely be the favourites initially I think that's fair to say but yeah, it'll just be really interesting to have Hearts and Hibs back, and obviously for the neutrals as well. It's another derby. You know, we've got the Dundee derby back, and we've got the Edinburgh derby back. So, good signs all around there, I think, for this upcoming season. And the Ayrshire derby in the championship. Very excited for that. Sorry, sorry. Tune in on Monday. <laughs> Tune in on Monday night. Uh, but away from how sorry, stream. Where can you see Hearts ending up this season? Because are they more destined for mid-table, perhaps, in the just at the top of the bottom half of this split, or do? You, see them potentially pushing into those European spaces as both Robin Nielsen and Gordon Forrest are aiming for? I think it's a really tough one to call. Of course, you'll have the bounce from getting promoted and Hearts are a massive side. You know, they're a Premiership club. They belong in the Premiership. But at the same time, I think it's quite hard to make a case for the European places, not in the sense that Hearts aren't good enough to get there, but the competition at the top for the likes of Hibs and Aberdeen, obviously the old firm are as good as we know them to be. I think it'll be incredibly difficult. Another team that we'll touch on later on are St. Johnston, who 
possibly a dark horse. Not many people can exactly predict where they're going to be. But I think, and from that, from those teams alone, I think a top half finish for Hearts, possibly six, would be a good season. I think anything in the bottom half of the table would be poor. They've had a really good preseason. The transfer window's been very interesting. I think the squad that they've got, a lot of people said last season it was a Premiership side in the Championship. So mm. I think a top half finish should be the aim for Hearts. Anything lower than that, I think possibly is a failure not necessarily a horrendous failure in a terrible season but I think for what the team is capable of achieving not getting in the top half I think would be a poor season in reflection uh, Graham coming to you uh, I've spoken with Sean McGill previously about the expectation that Hearts fans are going to have for Robin Nielsen and his players on their return to the Premiership Struan saying they are anything more than a top, anything less than a top half finish would be considered a failure and I know uh, our friend in Hearts fan Cameron Wonsall thinks thinks the same it's going to be fairly disappointing if they don't break into the top six but do you think the board are going to have those same expectations coming back into the top flight and should Nielsen fail to break into that top six or find European football could he potentially be a bit should he potentially be sweating maybe over, over his job prospects because we know how very quickly things can change in management especially in Scottish football I do think Hearts will be aiming for, for top 6 next year that is they are, the size of the club they are, that is something that they should be aiming for, myself personally I'm not entirely sure it's going to happen uh, Hearts were not good last year <laughs> I know they won the league comfortably but they were not good no. and they haven't made any signings yet so what I'm kind of struggling with Hearts. I don't think this is the Hearts that we'll see in a month's time. I think Hearts have savings to make and players to change. And so it's hard to judge on how they'll be. They can get some good, some nice names in and some good additions to the squad. I think that's where they get into the top six comfortably. But right now, I think, with the current squad, I think they're fighting for it. Particularly when you've got players like... Good, some of their good players are like Josh Janelli and Suter, who we know have some major injury concerns. What is good that fans are back... And Tynecastle is the best stadium in the league, and that should be amazing for Hearts. It should be a massive, massive boost for Hearts. The atmosphere, the atmosphere at Tynecastle on a good day is up there with the best in the country. And we, well, that, that could take on the edge of Hearts disappointing, like I think it might, and come talks it like it did last year. That's what I was going to get onto actually, because when you're an opposition team going mm-hmm. to Tynecastle and you get hearts when they're doing alright and fans are on their side, it's a horrible place to go. Yeah. But if they're not in a good place, it's a horrible place for the hearts players to go. And if the fa- the fans will just be toxic, as you said. Mm-hmm. So it just depends really, doesn't it? I'm, really sh- I'm actually really struggling to like pick what hearts should be doing. It's, I'm looking at the squad right now and there's lots of players that I like. I, mean, I like I like Liam Boyce. Liam Boyce is an excellent player. I like Josh Tinelli, although he's injury prone. Just there's something about them last season, and I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced by Robin Nielsen at all. I think he's a manager that got pretty much the least out of a squad that he could, and he's just full of excuses and blaming other people. He just seems to have no take no responsibility for the things when they go wrong, which I don't think is good in the manager. I think doing that shows good awareness. I think there's a potential for a toxic situation at Hearts this year. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out. I'm just going to float that out there. That's one of my big shouts. I think that, I'm not sure how big that is, but I would say that. And Taylor, Graham touched on it there. It's a very, kind of, Hearts have been fairly inactive in the in the transfer window thus far. Just the three incomings, uh, 
Josh Janelli being made a permanent deal. Uh, Ross Stewart also being made permanent from Livingston and they've brought in young Alex Cochran uh, from Brighton despite Brighton being Hibs strategic partners which is quite funny. Uh, what do you think Hearts need to be doing in the in the uh, window? Because they've trimmed the fat, sure, they've trimmed the fat and got rid of some underperformers like Slomal, Colin Doyle's away, uh, Crystal Berra wasn't the player he once was but they've also lost some talented young players like Harry Cochran and uh, Andy Arvins so I mean, should, should fans be concerned there's been a lack of activity? It seems kind of for the last few weeks that Nielsen said, oh, we're working on deals, but it just takes time and we're at the start of the new season now. So where, where do you think Hearts need to go from here? What Hearts need to do, in my opinion, is they've done arguably in football the hard part where they've trimmed the fat because usually getting rid of some of the dead weight in a team is hard, you know, uh, try and move them on, some players well, are fussed are comfortable with the R blah blah. But now they've got to improve the squad and the fact is you said they've been inactive, they've only made like three signings, one of them was a permanent deal that was already a loan. Um isn't good and arguably, as Graham said, Nielsen is under a lot of pressure this season. Sorry, Graham said that he wasn't convinced by Nielsen. I think he's under a lot of pressure this season. He has to deliver a positive performance this season in terms of, you know, signs of progression. So that's two ways where Hearts need to go this season. They need to improve the squad that they already have, you know, um, just get better players in. And I know it's hard to do a budget in Scottish football. However, Hearts have, you know, arguably the third best backing in the league, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's an argument for an hour of time, but their fans are constantly behind them so you know they do have in terms of the rest of Scottish football money to spend um, and also they need to show progression they need to show the fact is they aren't going to make the same mistakes that led them to go down you know so they need to be positive in terms of progression positive in terms of you know advancing the squad so that's where I see where hearts need to go Um, I don't know if uh, when the other Hearts fans of Energy Sports will be listening to this, be like that, Taylor, <laughs> just shut up. Like, you clearly don't know what you're on about. So, yeah, that's that's what I see with that. But in terms of players that are already there, I feel players that could be vital for this season that could help them progress to, you know, that progression for, yeah, like, cups for up the league would be Boyce and Gary Guy Stephen. Mm. That's two players I look at and go, if they get a good solid team around them, if they get players that can, you know, help them, you know, provide them service, like boys, or help, you know, do the dirty work the same as Gary McKay, Stephen, then I feel that's when Hearts could be start pushing up, you know, going for, you know, securing top six every season to then top four to then maybe even, you know, putting a closer challenge to the old firm. So it's going to be a tough season this year, like, without a doubt, and Hearts need to, Hearts fans need to just, Buckle themselves in and just hope for the best. And the fact is that Robbie Nielsen continues to get the least out of what's expected <laughs> at very minimum. I, I do agree. I think uh, Boyce and Gary McCarthy-Steven are definitely going to be important for Hearts this season. I like the way Gary McCarthy-Steven has been playing in the League Cup. He looks a lot more like the player that Hearts fans thought they were getting when he joined uh, earlier this year. But he kind of failed to live up to that early expectation. And now he looks a bit more like his former self. 
and he did have a, a hell of a time in the Premiership with uh, Dundee United back in the day. So be interested to see if he picks up that same vein of form again this season. Uh, from Gorgate across to Leith, Hibernian scored, uh, secured a third place finish in last season's Premiership, but came up short in the Cups once again. Same stage as Aberdeen just now, they too achieved a qualification route to the group stages of the Europa Conference League, and they're playing their second leg against FC Santa Coloma in Andorra tonight on the day of recording. Uh, Struan, I'm probably going to focus on you as, as the Hibs fan in this situation, but I'll bring Graham and Taylor in for a chat as well. But I feel like expectations are pretty high for Jack Ross to deliver some sort of silverware this season after failing to do so in the Scottish Cup final against St. Johnson last. I mean, it's likely that the Premiership title will not be going to Easter Road. I think we'd probably all agree on that. It would be a tall order for Hibs to displace Rangers, Celtic and potentially Aberdeen's challengers. We don't know, but... Could we potentially see Hibs finish slightly lower in the league at the expense of a trophy, just so Jack Ross gets any doubters off his back? I think Hibs are a very interesting story at the moment. I mean, when you always think of a, an upcoming season, you look at your previous one and you want to improve. And the Hibs squad, bar the well, Marciano leaving, the squad's the same. You know, Keeping players like Nisbet and Doig has been absolutely massive when you think about the interest yeah. that, that was there for them back in January. And throughout the summer, there's been additions as well, such as Mackay, Doyle Hayes, Chris Muller may come in a bit earlier than is expected. That's that's still unsure at the moment. So from that point of view, you've got the same squad, you've added to it, you should be finishing higher than you did last season, or at least hope to achieve more. Jack Ross has signed a new deal. Ben Kessel is coming from Norwich City to be the new chief executive. There's a lot of good things going on, both on the pitch and behind the scenes at Hibs at the moment. And from that point of view, I think you can say that a good finish for Hibs in the league should be the expectation. Of course, Rangers exist, and therefore the title is out of the question at the moment. <laughs> Second place, again, as <clears throat> as much as we like to joke about Celtic and say that they're not in great form at the moment, you'd probably have to lock them in a second place again once they get the signings in, once Angie Ball starts to become a thing, they probably will lock in second place. So from that point of view, third is probably the best that Hibs can aim for to be fully realistic in the league. Mm-hmm. But I, I fully believe that they can do well in a cup run. I feel... Cups, you know, it's all about the draw. You can get some crazy results in the cup. You never know what's going to happen. For your question, would they sacrifice a place in the league for a cup? I feel finishing fourth and winning a cup more is more appealing than finishing third and no trophy. Because at the end of the day, football is about trophies. You know, you look at the Premier League two seasons ago, Arsenal finished eighth, but they won the FA Cup and therefore it wasn't that terrible a season from that point of view. And I think if Hibs finished fourth or possibly even fifth, but came away with a League Cup or the Scottish Cup, I think that would be a massive achievement. And I feel... Jack Ross has earned that, he's done really well. Of course, as well, the Europa Conference League, that'll be really important this season. Obviously, you'd expect a team such as Tottenham Hotspur or one of the dropouts from the Europa League, possibly even from the Champions League further down, to be the favourites for that one. And therefore, it's wildly it's wildly out of the question for Hibs at this point of view, uh, at this point in time. But from that point of view, you would still like to do well. <laughs> are, you, are you reassuring us that Hibs will not win the Europa Conference League? There? Is that what you just did? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I did. Um, <laughs> Thanks. You know, I was really, I was really thinking Hibs had a chance. Well, just in case anybody was thinking it, about throwing it, some it. money on Hibs, I'm, I'm just, I'm just dampening those fires. It's not, it's not going to happen. I don't. Think, I'm, I'm going to put twenty p on him. I'll turn to eight thousand quid. <laughs> yeah, you'd have good odds. Um, no, yeah, I, I, it's not going to happen. I'm just, I'm just trying to sum up all of Hibs's cup competitions for the next season. So mm. I feel. Yeah, basically what I've said there: a third or a fourth place finish with a cup would be exceptional. Fourth or a fifth place 
finish with a cup would also be good. Another third place without a trophy. Again, you'd argue that's a good finish. You'd be guaranteeing European football for the next season. And, I mean, it's only happened once since 2005 that Hibs have been there. So it's, yeah, it's all about the building process at the moment. Uh, Graham, a lot of what Stuma's kind of touching on is stuff that Hibs are building towards for the future. I mean, Ben Kessel coming in from Norwich. I mean, he's been very, very entrenched in kind of sports business for a lot, um, many, many years now. And they just kind of do seem to be building everything towards the future, the sustainability of the club. So where do you think that ambition could lead them? I don't think it's necessarily just the future. I think it's the future, but also the present. I mean, the hip squad right now is excellent. Mm-hmm. Struden, I think Struden is pretty spot on with most of his analysis there. And the Hibs have had some good recruitment. Although I would say, missing, letting Jackson Irvin go is a bit of a, a bummer. I think Jackson Irvin had a great second like half Jackson, this season. Yeah. And... I guess Jake Doyle Hayes is that instant replacement, and I like Jake Doyle Hayes. But should be noted that Irvin, uh, will be a miss. But um, you see, the Hibs are what? Sorry, any question? I was just going to say I think Irvin was a miss, but I think from the Irvin point of view, I think a lot of fans expected him to move on. I'm not sure many were fully confident that he was going to be part for the future. And from that point of view, I guess I don't know if it's much of a loss if you never really expected him to be there in the first place. But he, he was fantastic, to be honest. It was disappointing to see that he wasn't going to be staying permanently or even just an extension. I think what on your point about like the building for the future, I don't think building for the, solely building for the future is exactly the smartest plan for a club. Hibs are building for the future in their infrastructure, but also building for the present. And they've got a terrific squad. I would say they have the best squad in the division, outside of the old firm, of course. And for when I look at Hibs, I think, like I said, I think Stuart's spot on partly the fact that Cups are the priority this year, especially after coming so close last year. And I think what helps in that regard, I think Hibs have the highest floor outside the old firm. I don't see Hibs falling past fourth. Even though Hibs' worst outcome for me is them finishing fourth and no trophies. I think anyone around them, I think Aberdeen, who I was quite positive on, could just be a failure. They were terrible in the second half of the season. There's always a chance that last week's result was an outlier and they won't be as good. I think St Johnston were incredible last year. They could fall off. Whereas Hibs, Hibs are going to be third or fourth, in my opinion. And that should help in the Cup because they don't have to worry about the league form as much. And with the squad they have... And the depth they have, I think they have some terrific depth. There's so much potential for a successful season, and keeping some of the players who did is massive. Yeah, just Taylor going on to that, just keeping the players that they did. I mean, we're not out of the woods yet in terms of the transfer window, and there obviously is going to be interest for the likes of uh, Kevin Isbitt and Josh Tollygas, especially down in England. So, do you think Hibs' main aim should just be to keep these players as for the rest of the window and potentially? Oh, well, I that realise that that's what the question is. Should Hibs main aim be uh, keeping these players until the end of this window? Yes, one hundred percent. Um, especially Kevin is, but he um he did make his feelings clear in January that he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. However, that murmurs have died down this you know this transfer window, and there's not been much. You know, there's been some speculation about teams looking at him, but there's been no official bid. Um. If Hibs can get out this transfer window with these players intact, um, uh, these players still at the club, you know, these players still fully fit, then that is going to be a great season for them. It's, it's a good start to the season, they could hope, by the way, and especially um, with the signing like Chris Miller uh, coming in. And hopefully if he, I think Struan will be, you know, having his fingers crossed, you know, um, in bed, dreaming about him coming to play for the start of the season. Uh, well, 
some point before January. Uh, he is highly rated, you know, the talks about him being great, um, him being, you know, an MLS, no MLS, him being an American and a nationalist is also good for Hibs because that means if they do want to move him on in the future, that can, you know, be more money for them, which includes, you know, the cycle of a, a club that can be run well. So to answer your question, yes, um, keeping hold of key players such as Kevin this but that is very vital for the start of the season and I fully expect them to do so. Now, moving on to the side who became the country's darlings throughout the 2020-2021 campaign after a record-breaking unbeaten run that saw Livingston reach the League Cup final and be sniffing around the European places, David Martindale saw his side's form drop off a cliff and were perhaps a bit fortunate to finish in sixth. Graham, you've turned the mic back on there and I imagine you've probably got a couple of thoughts to say on your local side. Oh, to quote Marshall Mathers... For Livingston this season to sum him up, back to reality, I'm afraid, I think. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> Last season we saw two different versions. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a bit risky, what's going to happen there? Just going to start doing the 8 mile rap during the podcast. <laughs> Just dissing myself. <laughs> and, Livingston, and then Livingston try and respond and they can't do it. <laughs> Sorry. David Martin has gone to a private school apparently. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trailer trash. <laughs> <laughs> Football. Alright, <laughs> uh, turn. We saw two Livingstons last year. We saw two thirds of the season, third, first and third. They were awful. They were like dreadful. They had Gary Holt, sacked him, then went on a 14 game unbeaten run, I think it was. Yeah, I think that's about right. And then struggled massively in, towards the end of the season. Got top six though, which is an excellent achievement. So it's basically, where, where do you fall on the side of which Levy will we see? What's your, what is his cultural version of the Levy? I think the majority think it's the first and last part of the season, and I'm in that regard too, unfortunately. I do, I do like my local club, I, I do keep up with them but I think they performed above expectations and I think they've had quite a poor transfer window yeah. and particularly defensively, like they didn't have, they were actually very poor defensively last season conceded the second most goals in the entire oh, sorry, only only Aki's and Motherwell conceded more goals and Ross County, oh well I'm talking shit uh, they conceded lots of goals yeah. which I don't think was something we associated with Livy in the first couple of seasons in the league and from that team that conceded lots of goals, they've lost their best player in that defence, and John Guthrie, who's went away to Northampton Town. And to be honest with you, not really replaced them. Mm. They've got they've signed the boy from Exeter City, Tom Parks, who who know he could be just as good as John Guthrie, but I have my doubts about that. I don't know much about him, but I thought John Guthrie was excellent. And so what they're doing is they're retired. They're kind of relying on a lot of exciting young attacking players to produce the goods yeah. and I'm not entirely sure that's something that's going to happen I think they could be in, in a relegation battle this year I think I'd be inclined to agree with you to be honest uh, Taylor I'll come to you here because I, I, I want to talk about a couple of these kind of incomings and outgoings I mean they lost a number of key players in this window again I mean Jay Manuel Thomas going to Aberdeen Ross Stewart over to Hearts uh, making that one permanent. Scott Robinson, who I thought was great, uh, he's gone to Kilmarnock in the Championship. 
Alan Lithgow might not be the player he was, but he's gone for Morton. Scott Tiffany picked up a lot towards the end of the season and ended up making his loan spell at part of Thistle permanent. And John Guthrie going down to Northampton Town, as, as has already been said. But they've brought in Bruce Anderson, who had a fairly decent time of it in the Championship, and Ayo Obelai, who I was a big fan of when he was playing at Queen of the South at the back. But I just feel that those outgoings outweigh those incomings, don't you? No, um, it is massive. I was going to say no. I, I didn't mean no, I was going to say no way. <laughs> you should have responded with a rap of his own. <laughs> no way will I be able to replace the outgoings like for like, because as you said, like, they are massive, and for a couple at Livingston, it's going to be extremely hard for them to replace the quality that they possessed. However, I feel they've had a good crack at it, and I do like some of the signs they've made, especially Bruce Anderson. I feel he was pretty positive for Hamilton in such a dire season. I feel he was that spark that could have kept him up. Ultimately, it wasn't enough because Hamilton just you know had their time. They had outlived it that much. Um, Andrew Shinney, that's one that took me by surprise, by the way, because... Mm. I've seen some some of him when he was down in England um, when he was with Charlton. Didn't see much, but what I heard and what I've read, you know, he has how he's performed. It's a positive sign for Levy again. Uh, the common theme of this, by the way, is I feel like they are positive. Um, as you said, uh, I'll, I'm not even going to try to say Obelaya. this. Thank you, Jack, saving <laughs> me there. Um, I've, I've not seen much of him, if anything, but I'm going to take your word the fact is you were impressed him because you've got a good judge of character, I feel. But yeah, one I am lovely. very excited to see is uh, my short stand at Partick Thistle, James Penrice. He is a player that excited me. He is a player that I feel could uh, make his stay in the Premiership permanent, even if Everson don't. And he is one I expect to kick on. He is very good at getting down that left-hand side and he has got some delivery on him. And if, you know, Livingston have a striker that can, you know, put the ball in the back of the net when given the chances, Penrice will, you know, be that guy that will be providing them balls. So I'm not saying the fact is Penrice is going to be their saviour. He's not going to be the one that will keep them out of, uh, out of trouble. But, you know, having Anderson, Penrice... You know, some of the loan signs in here that I've not heard of, they could make a difference. They might just have enough to, you know, scrape by and, you know, stay in the Premiership and hopefully, you know, they improve and they build on for the season after. But, you know, more of the story is they have lost a lot and it is, could be worrying times for them. Now, Struan, I wanted to talk to you just about the man that we all kind of took under our wing and he, he was a people's champion for much of much of uh, last season, David Martindale. And now a fit and proper person, as he always would have been, but uh, he's he made a couple of interesting decisions, kind of bef- just as the seesaw kind of teetered back down towards a bit of instability. Uh, I mean, playing Marvin Bartley at left wing in the Scottish League Cup final was something else, I suppose you can say. But I'm I'm slightly concerned for his job if Livingston do come out this season and they play like they were towards the back end of last, and especially if they are back down towards the kind of relegation places, I think if they go if they go down potentially there could be a lot of questions being raised and fingers being pointed. But how do you how do you view it 
kind of date Martindale's position? Do you think he should be completely trusted? Do you think they need to step by no matter what? Or do you think if things go to pot a bit more, they might need to start considering their options? I've actually got written down on my notes here, will David Martindale make the full season question mark? And I I really don't know, to be honest. I feel last season he was the hero, as you said. So many people liked Livingston, liked what they were doing. But if you, I think Wikipedia is probably one of the easiest places to look at it. If you look at um, Livingston's form from last season, do you know how they do the colours? So it'll be red when you lose, yellow if you draw, yeah, green when uh-huh. you win. There's just, it's red and yellow basically until you get to December and it's just full green and then it goes back to red, yellow, etc. And their last victory in the league was on the 13th of March, which is pretty poor given that the season finished in May. And I think you've just got to say, you know, was it more of a managerial boost than people really anticipated at the time? And how is that going to affect them coming into this season? I think Andrew Shinney is a really interesting signing for them. I think he can definitely help out. I believe Martin Bar- uh, Marvin Bartley is now on the coaching staff as well, so yeah, that'll be an interesting yeah, yeah. change to see how they get on better there than on the left wing, if you ask me. But it's difficult because obviously Livingston did make it to the to the final of the League Cup and they were beaten by one goal. I, I don't think they were great in the entire match, if I'm, if I'm being honest. So it's really hard to call that. I, I think he'll struggle. I've got Livingston quite low down in my predicted table, which we'll get to. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is sacked by the end of the season, which is tough. And I don't really like to make these kind of predictions at the start of a season because you never really want any managers to get sacked. It's it's horrible. But the way Livingston's form has, has been really recently and the way things have kind of just turned since how... like the, It was the highest of highs back in December. Now it just feels like the lowest of lows from a neutral point of view. So mm. it's... It's a really tough one to say, really. I'd, I'd love Martindale to stay and keep the job and Livingston being back in amongst it, but I, I can't see them in the top half at all this season. Nor me, but I suppose we'll explore that a bit more when we come to our final league tables come the end of the episode, but we've still got a fair bit more to get through before we get there. And we're going to be taking our focus over to Fark Park as Motherwell were rocked by a number of key players departing last season and they are playing style suffered as a result and results were hard to come by. And Liam Kelly's arrival may well have kept the Steelmen afloat in the Premiership. Uh, Taylor, it almost kind of seems to be a similar story at Motherwell this summer with a number of their most important players moving on. Uh, Declan Gallagher joining Aberdeen, Alan Campbell making the move down to the English Championship with Luton Town, and Devante Cole and Trevor Carson are obviously kind of notable departures as well. So how do you think Motherwell are going to be able to Boy themselves after such another kind of clearing out of their biggest players again this summer. Murrow are a club that are always, you know, they rotate their playing staff constantly, and it's one that they have always thrived on because they'll find, you know, gems that they can move on for big profits in terms of like Murrow. However, that was under a manager, Stephen Robinson, who was, you know, known for that kind of thing where he could you know get the best out of you know a bad bunch he could find you know something hidden in players that no one else could and he just made them thrive this could potentially be a step too far i'm not saying you know i'm not giving my predictions away but i'm not saying that they are going to be relegated but i'm not saying they're going to stay up this is one where it's a a very interesting season for Murrow because if these signings don't settle in and given some of the league Cup performances so far as a cause to be set as a cause for concern especially if you're a Murrow fan it's they need to they need to get a strong bond within that team very quickly if they want any chance to you know 
success and I define success by staying up and at least finishing mid-table. So Liam Kelly is going to be huge for them and the fact they've made that permanent deal is a massive boost to them. But every other signing I look at that is it's very worrying because there's not even one I've heard, heard of remotely. Not even Maybe uh, Kevin Van Veen, maybe. I, I think I remember him back when he was... 22 maybe? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, it's not ringing a bell. I think so. The name looks recognisable, but apart from that, um, I would be very concerned if I was a Morrow fan, and I just need to, you'd hope that the manager knows what he's doing here. And Graham, I want to talk to you about the, about the manager, just to tell was alluding to there. Uh, obviously, Graham Alexander came in the start of January after uh, Stephen Robinson was relieved of his duties. How do you think he's fared so far as as the manager of the club, and how do you think he will fare going into the new season? Excellent. I thought. I, thought, I mean, I think Motherwell were. I think I saw something Motherwell being like third best team after a certain period of time. Maybe after Alexander came in, they were third in the league uh, in terms of like the record after that. So I think you have to give Graham Alexander credit for the role job he's done since he's come in. And to be honest with you, the fact that. Is pretty much the only reason that I don't have Dundee United eh, Motherwell in the last play- place. Mm. Before I, I'm a bit slaughter them, but before I do, I think we should commend Motherwell's front office for everything they do off the pitch. Oh, I think yeah, I, I think they need to do it. In in particular, with suicide prevention, they do. They've done so much work about that. Uh, with the free season tickets. Uh, and I think I think it's like, is it free? Is it free? Something, I'm, not, I'm not, I can't actually remember the exact stipulations there. Are. I think it's something like three season tickets for people that had them last year as a reward. Maybe and maybe trying to get kids in it. But I in that front, also raised upwards of sixty thousand pounds to provide season tickets for uh, un- underprivileged or la- underprivileged yeah, households, mm-hmm. and things like that. They've done a lot. So in that regard, that front in the front office, they've done a terrific job. I think. Fantastic community club. Definitely. On the football pitch, it's a fucking disaster. They have been. I watched their game against Airdrie in the, in the League Cup, and they were absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. And the signs they've made have done absolutely nothing to convince me that they're anywhere near the squad that they had last year. And just let me go through some of the names they lost: Dylan Gallagher, Alan Campbell, top goal scorer Devante Cole. They lost Liam Polworth, Chris Long, Charles Dunn. Sam Foley was alright it was a lot of players yeah. Sharon Seedorf they've lost a lot and I'm not sure they've replaced them with anyone of the same amount of quality no. so I, I don't have them going down and it's pretty much based on what Alexander was able to get out of his team last year but I'd be very concerned from an on the pitch perspective if I was another real fan I mean looking at the signs that they've made I mean Struan I'm not sure how you're feeling about them but a couple of youngsters from the Premier League and Calm Slatter and Darryl O'Connor coming from Southampton Leicester City. I do think Connor Shields is a good signing. I, I like Connor Shields at Queen's South last, last season. I think he and Obelaya, we mentioned with Livingston, were really the only reason that Queen's South had a good season. Uh, they were pretty poor otherwise, but do we just see anything to suggest that Motherwell are going to be kind of pushing upwards of where they finished last season in ninth? Or, t- or where did they finish? Eighth? Sorry, my mistake. I think it's quite tough to say, as, as Graham pointed out, the players that they've lost. I mean, they've arguably lost the best defender, the best midfielder, and the best forward in the one yeah. window. You know, that's 
that's huge. That's absolutely terrible. I mean, Liam Kelly probably will be very beneficial to them as well, but I mean, that's not really going to help the defence midfield and striking situation. It's, it is really hard to say as well. On the pitch, they've just not been as good. I think they've probably had one of the poorer transfer windows out of any club, just in the sense as well of who they've lost, regardless of who's been brought in, just the amount of talent that has been lost. Of course, David Turnbull as well. Around this time last season, he was still at Motherwell for the start of the season, then disappeared off to Celtic. So it's really tough to say. I, I can't see them doing any better than the ninth, to be honest. I think that would be almost a good season. I think, yeah, no, I think I do agree. The amount of losses that they've suffered, I think it would definitely be uh, a success for them to retain that position and potentially uh, build on things in seasons to come. Now, that is going to bring us to the reigning champions, which two out of the three of my guests today will be absolutely delighted to be talking about. The fact that Rangers stormed to their first Premiership title in nine years. Do you just want to go? You just want, you just want to get a drink, you and Struan? Just, well, just let talk. you and Taylor just have a complete celebration. Ah, sure, why not? <laughs> uh, Taylor, I'm going to come to you first, so... If you if you want to get a, any 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 sort of wild celebration out of your system, that would be the time to do so. Oh, okay. Well, come on, I, <laughs> come on, come on, but no, I'll I'll let you pick where this will go. Right, nah, you no, I don't like that. New season, the time for celebrations over. No, That's no, my no, opinion, too. No, no, it's, it's it's a time for perspective. It's time for. Progress. It's a time for build, It's time for building on what building on what you've achieved, and will this be the season Rangers build on? Most definitely, they will. Now, I am. I could go on. Taylor, you should play me, partner. Are you all right? <laughs> no, I'm not because I'm. Excuse my French. Fucking excited for this season, and I can't express how exciting I am. I feel a pressure's been lifted off Rangers this season, you know, winning the title last year, stopping uh, 10 in a row. But what they've got to do is now not stand still. Rangers have proved that stand still is what causes um, what causes your, your rivals to catch you, what causes, you know, you to be overtaken in all forms on and off the pitch. And Rangers can't allow that if they have done it for sand. So... I believe Gerard will improve this team. I feel Gerard will strive for more, and Gerard will win the title this year without a doubt. I feel without a doubt. Okay. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going bold, but no, I'm going bold. But there's one reason why I'm going to back this up. Rangers have a very, very bad cup record under Gerard. It's something that it needs to improve. So I feel when it comes to the league, by the way, Rangers will build on exactly what they did last year. They will lose games, by the way. I'm not saying they're going to do what they did, because that was incredible, and you can't expect them not to. They'll lose games, but I feel like they've got that mentality now where they know what it takes to you know, win games to see them out. But when it comes to the cup games, Gerard needs to find a formula to get one-and-done games complete. You know, We've seen last season multiple times, conceding late goals and the heads go down. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Rangers had a mentality problem last year when it came to the cup, but something just didn't go for when if nothing happened their way in the cup, it they just struggled to you know get that second goal that would kill the game, and that's what Gerard needs to improve this season. So when it comes to 
what Rangers Rangers fans should expect this season. It'll be more of a normal week season where you know it'll be like turning and throwing between the first and second place, but also they need to progress more in the cup and Gerard needs to win a cup this season I feel to show you know progress further Champions League Europe, Champions League Europe I'm not going to comment now because that isn't what we're talking about but however well they do in that could also help off the uh, help them progress further in their goals and this is going to be a season where the pressure's off you know fans pressure's off the players as team to go out and express yourself further it's going to be a season of excitement and it's going to be a season where Rangers will build on their platform from last. That is my rant over. Please ask me another question if you feel you need to make up more time. I mean, considering we're sitting at 76 minutes, I don't, I don't necessarily know we need to make up that time. But, <laughs> Graham, I want to come to you for that because we've definitely heard how Taylor feels that Rangers are going to build on their season from last. But I want to hear from you. I mean, given the dominance of Rangers in the league last season, there's little room for improvement in terms of the league but how can the club go about building on an invincible league campaign and what will constitute as a successful season in the eyes of Rangers fans well I want to give credit to Taylor there because to be quite honest with you Taylor spoke for a while there and I just don't have that much to say I don't think there's that much interest in Rangers this season I just, I just more of the same please but with better in the cups that's pretty much it we're just be stop the league. We'll, we'll, we'll regress in the league. I mean, I don't think that's bad to say. We got hundred, well, over a hundred points last season. That's not a outlandish statement. We'll lose it. We'll, I don't think we're going to go two years unbeaten in the league. But the priority in this season is retain the league, wherever you can, and get something done in the cups. Mm-hmm. Champions League. I think. I don't think we necessarily need to get in the Champions League group stages. That playoff round's a lot harder than a lot of folk can only realise. If we can get there, we have to get past Malmo first. But it's just like... And there is, I would also push back and there's no pressure on Rangers. There's always pressure on Rangers, particularly when you're the champions. If we lose a game early, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Mm. But I don't have that much more to add. It may help the length of the podcast a bit. Rangers should be winning the league. Pressure's on to win the league. And need to win a cup. Now, one thing I actually did want to ask you about, just as a dif- different kind of angle, uh, just the current situ- situation. Sorry, with Alfredo Morelos. I mean, I know there was some uncertainty as to when he would be returning from his break following his uh, time at the Copa America with Colombia, but I think he's back in Scotland. I think he's uh, seeing out quarantine rules at a hotel. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put a wee a wee picture of himself smiling in a Rangers training top on his Instagram, but. Is there still that worry that he could move on this summer and does that signing of Fashion Sakala potentially hint that Gerard is preparing for life without Morelos? I don't think it's a worry if he goes at this point. I love Morelos and he's more important last season than people have even given him credit for. Mm-hmm. But I trust that if Morelos goes, the club will get somebody in. I don't get, I don't get his Sakala. I think they would replace Morelos with a striker. Okay. I, and it's not really a situation. If Morelos goes, they'll replace him, but they'll be happy to keep him. Could be dependent on what happens in the Champions League. If I think that could di- dictate what happens in Rangers to Rangers in the transfer market in terms of outgoings and ingoings. But it's, just, it's pretty much the same as last year, but with, with the exception, I think Morelos is probably less keen to go than he was. I think he'd probably stay with the prospect of Champions League football. Yeah, no, I, j- I just wanted to kind of know a bit about the situation because I wasn't following it massively closely in the first place. 
Uh, Struan, I'll come to you just for the forget a final word. I mean, I, I mean, for me, there was no real identifiable weakness in Rangers squad last season, and there still doesn't seem to be any real issues. And I mean, it's only really been marginal kind of fringe players depart. And I mean, George Edmondson going down to Ipswich, he's probably the biggest biggest departure thus far. If there are to be more, I'm not sure. But how important was it for that Rangers uh, for Rangers to keep that side together as much as possible? after a title winning season yeah I think massively I mean we saw not too recently but some of the greatest players from the Celtic teams under Brendan Rodgers like Kieran Tierney Scott Sinclair leaving Stuart Armstrong another one and you know it's a massive impact on the team to be honest and the same could have happened with Rangers a player like Ryan Kent has been linked with various clubs down south I think Leeds probably the most you know it's so yeah. important to hold on to him I think Champions League is massive Gerrard's record in Europe is it's been fantastic with Rangers so far and I think a lot of these players, <clears throat> a lot of the interest that we've seen for the majority of them has come from teams down south in the Premier League, but it's not always the top teams, you know, the likes of Leeds United have been linked with quite a few of them, they're not going to have European football, and I think that that's massive for Rangers to have that, at least for one season, and I feel as well, a lot of these players will feel they've earned it, they've earned the right to play in the Champions League with Rangers, they've had such a good season, and at the same time, you want to retain it. I, what I do think is Rangers have to win a trophy this season in terms of the league trophies, Obviously, I think the league is theirs. I can't see anybody catching them. You know, <laughs> talking about dilemmas within the squad. I think the only dilemma is who plays in certain positions. You know, the the Tavernier Nathan Patterson debate is possibly one of those. It's not about can you find somebody to fill that position. It's about deciding out of the two very good options who is going to fill that role. But I I do think they need to get domestic trophies. I think that's definitely a negative of Gerrard's time at Rangers so far is the fact that he hasn't won one so far and I think last season obviously going out on penalties was unfortunate to St Johnson in the Scottish Cup they'll need to do better than that especially when you consider that the Celtic team did do a quadruple treble you know this Rangers team are good enough to do that they could easily win one of the league trophies especially when Celtic at the moment are not at their best and they'd probably be the toughest competitor in those, in those trophies yeah no absolutely I think a, a successful, I think retaining the league is probably the least of Rangers worries potentially I mean obviously they're going to be wanting to do it no question about it but I think they do want to see that progress in the Cups more than they have seen in previous years so we're going to move on uh, from that Ranger, Rangers chat we're going to go up to Dingwall from Glasgow for a chat about Ross County uh, the Staggy spent the entirety of last season down near the bottom of the table but they survived for another year of Premiership football Graham, since the end of last season, County have done very little to keep their fans happy. I mean, from appointing such an antagonistic figure in Malcolm Mackay as head coach to releasing a number of heavily valued players by the fans over a Zoom call, they've been nothing but frustrated with their club <laughs> over the summer. I mean, what can the club do to get their supporters back on side this season? Sack Malcolm McKay right now, I guess, really. Oh, that would help. <laughs> it's funny looking at the alphabet, like the alphabetical order, but Rangers and St. Johnson, Sam, like, Ross Kent or Samuels in between there, that's probably the two st- most stable clubs in the country. And in the middle, you've got this absolute bin fire going on now, up in the islands. <laughs> they hired a racist manager. And not only is that a racist manager, is he even a good manager? Has he even done it? He got promoted by well, Cardiff well, well, in 20. Are we sure Malcolm McKay is good? No! I'm sure he's not. <laughs> it's, he got promoted by Cardiff in 2013. That was eight fucking years ago! <laughs> like, <laughs> and he, since then, he went and got, I mean, got some sort of made up job for Scotland where they seemed to do absolutely fuck all but hide him. 
they have they've been always known as a big community club in this county and they've completely pissed off that community with the, the hiding of the manager and there's potential that, that atmosphere can get toxic additionally so because I don't think the team's very good either no so John Hughes did well last year I'm quite surprised that they didn't keep him on and it has come out that John Hughes wanted to stay but they had the second worst defence in the league last year Ross County behind Hamilton Academical mm-hmm. who aren't here anymore they have not made any signs to replace any of those players in the defence, so there's nothing to suggest it'll be any better defensively. They've actually lost uh, Leo Helger, from, who was pretty good when he came in from yeah. Celtic. They've lost Stephen Kelly, who might get a chance at Rangers. Oh, I hope so. And they've lost a ton, they've lost a ton of players. Billy McKay, Michael Garden, Naismith, Ian Viger, Ross Draper, Tony Andrew. They've lost so much, and they haven't really replaced them with anyone other than Ross Callahan that gives me a huge hopes. Ross County are in real trouble this season. I completely agree, mate. I completely agree with what you said there, Graham. And Struan, he touched on it there. I mean, it's only really been Ross Callahan. I know nothing of uh, David Cancola, the midfield signing from Sloven Liberec. And, I mean, Callahan was great for Hamilton. I was a fan of his when I was going to watch him last season. But there's nothing being done to improve on that finish. And realistically, they're just only going in the other direction, aren't they? Yeah, they don't look like a team who want to stay in the Premiership. I think that's the best way of describing it at the moment. Callahan is a very good signing, but as, as Graham said a couple of minutes ago, they, they've released so many good players. I mean, Jason Naismith was the first one who I, I spoke about, well, I didn't speak about, but I've noted, obviously, played for Hebs. He's gone to Killy now, so he's gone down to the Championship, um, which is possibly where Ross County will probably end up next season. You know, Kelly may be back in the Premiership. It's it's just really tough to say. I, I really don't like the appointment at all of Matthew McKay. I just... It's just difficult to say, to be honest. It's, it's, it's hard to come up with a positive right now, which I think is quite a damning statement. But at the same time, I can't think of any positive other than Ross Callahan was good for Hamilton last season. And at the moment, yeah. it looks like Callahan is facing two relegations in a row. Taylor, you're a very positive person normally. Can you think of anything positive to say about Ross County just now? <laughs> I'm sorry if you're a Ross County fan and you've waited 84 minutes to hear, you know, all of our opinions. Um, and if you've came to me for the hope for this, um, I'm sorry I've wasted your time. Uh, the only insight I can give you at this is bye-bye Ross County. Oh, that's, that is oh. That's all I have. I like, that is what I like that. That was, that was definitive. That was nice. I, I, I wish I could add more. I wish I could get insights of, like, I don't think you need to, to be honest. That's kind of all you need to say. That's it. That's all I've got. I mean, I remember when we did this last year, uh, Taylor, I think you were on this podcast. I can't remember if, Graham, you were as well. Don't think so. But we were kind of humming and hawing over who was getting relegated last last year. We kind of started thinking, is it finally Hamilton's time to go down? Or are Ross County going to be going down? What about... Or Livy going to be down there? Like it was a lot more kind of trepidation, but it does kind of seem to be the general consensus that none of us think that Ross County are staying in the Premiership. And it's it's all wanting Ross County to prove us wrong. I want them at the end of the season put a statement in club statement. Get it right up, Jack, Struan, Taylor, and Graham. I'd find that really funny to be fair if Ross yeah. County addressed the four of us directly in a club statement. Yeah, I want them to actually you know call us out and say, you know what, guys were wrong. And I'd happily accept do that. Do you want that though? Like, do yes. you want Ross County to stay in the division? No, I don't. But why do you? So you wait. I, I don't. I don't want to be wrong. I want to be right. Uh huh. But if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. I don't know. 
I'm, I'm, I'm lost here. Just yeah, lost you talk yourself into a bit of a corner. Thing yeah. Too. See this corner? This is exactly the, the situation Ross County are in. Uh, the only thing is, I can leave this. Ross County can. <laughs> oh, I've missed, I've missed having you in a podcast here. That has to be said. <laughs> so that's just on Twitter that the cast are more recap on this tonight. Oh my god! I know it's oh, exciting. That's fireworks. Oh, oh my god! You just have to see that podcast and say it's a Love Island. Right, we, we well, eight, eighty-six minutes in. Let's get a Love Island conversation going. <laughs> well, that'll be me for this podcast. Next week. <laughs> right, let's let's get through the last two teams and get our uh, league standings compared. Uh, we've got the first of the Saints next. Uh, St Johnston they have a historical season of finishing fifth in the table and securing a cup double, making them the most successful club in Scotland for last season. Stu and Cam Davidson side have got plenty to be happy about, happy about coming into the new season, but quite a few are predicting a fairly kind of middling season for the Saints, not expecting them to push on from last season. But considering what Davidson was able to do in his kind of first full season with the club, I mean. Are we almost kind of being a bit naive considering kind of they've reached their ceiling or do you see them kind of pushing on more? I think it's similar to the point I made um, regarding Hearts is that as much as you'd like to put St Johnson near the top of the table, the competition from the likes of Hibs, Aberdeen, Celtic and Rangers is that good that even if St Johnson have a good season, it still might not be good enough. The European football I think is going to be the main uh, talking point for St Johnson throughout the season. Obviously they're starting against Galatasaray, that's that's a difficult tie. Radamel Falco, Muslera, etc. Diagne, very good players in that team. And uh, I think it'll be a very tough ask for them. But at the same time, they're there. They've earned it. They've deserved it. I have a feeling this season that they will focus on the league to get European football again for the next season. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to sacrifice the cup competitions. They've got some really good players in that team. And I feel that is going to be one of them where if they if they can keep the form in the league that they've shown, you know, in the, in the cups, they're absolutely excellent. If they can show that form in the league... I don't see why they couldn't potentially push up and if that is does involve sacrificing the League Cups, it's possibly worth it. I mean, it's almost what we were talking about, Hibs, you know, can Hibs sacrifice the League for trophies? Would it be the same with St. Johnson? Would they happily sacrifice the domestic Cups now? They've proven that they can win them and try and get a high finish in the League, which I think would be massive as well, getting European football for two seasons in a row. At the, seldom, you know, I don't think anybody could have predicted that, even at the start of last season. No, absolutely not. Uh, Graham, Stuart mentioned that there's a number of good players in this St George's side, one in particular, Ali McCann. Uh, he was a real bright spark in last season's Premiership season, the youngster being showered with praise, plaudits, and was recently named the Athletics SPFL Young Player of the Year. Should Davidson be looking to build a side around the young talent, who I'm sure is only going to get better and better as time goes on? He already, ha- he already is, and he already has, and he, sh- and he already should still be keeping... He should still be able to decide to run Ali McCann, he's an amazing player. Terrific job to keep him. Terrific job to keep those centre halves. After a terrific, like some, if you after a season like St Johnson had, and the size of the club, most of those players get poached, and a lot of them have been linked with clubs, particularly McCart and Kerr have saw a lot about, but they've kept them all. They've only really lost Guy Melamed and Glenn Middleton from last year, which mm-hmm. I think could be more of a concern than uh, maybe people are thinking, but. They have kept the core, most of the core of that team, they have, right. which is a trim, which is tremendous for them. It's absolutely massive. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. The fact that this squad, they've experienced such highs together. Surely they're not going to want to let that run out anytime soon. So, mm-hmm. Taylor, considering that kind of feeling that they had in the cup double, surely this squad's only going to push on to better. Like they're only going to get better as a unit. They're only going to get better as a team. Eh, no, yes, I totally agree. I feel like they'll grow stronger as a team and they'll you know 
Bond you know, more considering the uh, historic achievement that they created um, I, I can't imagine you know there'll be many arguments in that team um, I feel St Johnson I think it was Stroon uh, said sorry if it was you Graham but I feel they will have a bang average season but that is nothing to be ashamed of for St Johnson they had such yeah. a good season yeah. last year and the fact is they won a cup double is you know very impressive and very monumental however if you asked them if they could sacrifice one of the cups for a higher league position they would happily take it and if they can be challenging huh? yeah what no, you no, think no. St Johnson would, high, would sacrifice a, a, another cup like reading a cup to get fourth no, I said higher. I never said one place higher. If they could get third or fourth, especially with the coefficient. What, what's the difference? Not that, nah, I'm not having that. You'd absolutely, it'd absolutely take, you'd take a cup over third. What's the difference between third and fifth? There's not really that much. You get, Europa League, you get Europa League from yeah, winning the cup, so you get more You get higher, You get get higher. more in Europe. It absolutely makes no sense to prioritise third in the Premiership over fifth. No, because if you're going to get third in the Premiership, especially next year with the coefficient kicking in, then you get you more could, a chance of being cup, you know, a, a group stage. St Johnston won the it, Taylor. St Johnston won the cup last year, and between them, Hibs and Aberdeen, they had the best European spot. Okay, that's but what in the what in the what in the cup like? I'm sorry, what you said there makes absolutely zero sense. No, 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 no. I, I take that back then. I, I didn't realise the fact is out of them all, they got the better. You know. For, for any that, club that for any club outside Rangers and Celtic, top six is the aim. And once you get top six, you get top six and then prioritise the cup. That's no, right. no, that's how those clubs should all do that. No, I totally agree. Well, I, think there, I think there is an argument that you know the cup competitions are going to be hard. As we said, Rangers are going to be going all out for them yep. this season. Again, you'd say Celtic possibly are there. So I think there is the point of view from St Johnston that if European football is their ultimate goal would it be better to prioritise the league rather than the cup if it came down to it, you know, if Celtic and Rangers are looking really strong in those cup competitions? These teams don't prioritise really anything unless they're really struggling. Like, you give up the cups if you're struggling, but St Johnson are are going to be a mid-table side at worst. So like, they don't have to prioritise the league or the cup. They can do both. They don't really have that pressure, do they, that they're expected no, there's no, to be set? There's no, pr- there's no pr- yeah. like, St. Johnston aren't a, they're not a big club. There's, no, there's never really any pressure on St. Johnston to do anything. They, they might have won the double, but like, no one's going to... There's not someone saying, oh, it's a failure if they don't win the cup. It's a failure if, a failure if they don't get the better league position. There's nothing on St. Johnston. They still have a free run at it. No, what I was uh, mostly trying to say is, like, I feel like this season, they'll do a lot better in the leagues than they'll do in the cups. I feel... Why? To, no, because I feel compared to last season, they won't have a good cup run. I feel they'll have a disappointing cup this season, but in that expense, I feel they will do better in the league this year. And I just, I feel that um, although the league around them has got slightly better, I feel they've also got slightly better themselves. So therefore, uh, I potentially see them sneaking up, you know, even at very minimum fourth place. I'm not saying that that is what they will prioritise. I'm not saying that's exactly what they want, but I feel like that's what will happen to them. And then I can just see, you know, the league position improving, but I don't see them making the dents in the cup that they did last year. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, that's that's you're saying. I don't see them winning two cups again, which is no, I, obviously I, I don't not. See them, I'm going to say I don't even see them making a semi final. Like I feel they'll have a a relatively poor cup like season, but they'll do well mm. in the league. Okay. I th- I th- 
Well, I know we're, we're a long podcast, but I think St. Johnson is actually an interesting case. I am not going... To, I'm playing David's advocate here, but is there room for St. Johnston to regress? Like, even in the league. The Cups, they're not going to win... I'm sorry, like, no, they're not going to win uh, If somebody can record this and play it back to the end, cup double again. But I don't feel that bad. There's a chance they can regress. I'm, I'm looking through the results from last season. They finished fifth in the league. They won two games by one, two games by more than one goal in the entire season. That, do you know how easy it is for that stuff to change? I mean, that's that showed a great mentality, but a bit of luck either way, and that can change. And if you lose two games, if you get two games that you won last season that draw, that can change the mentality of a team. We saw it. We saw it less. I they're not going to get relegated. We saw it with Sheffield United after a terrific first season, mm-hmm. and they play similar style to St Johnston. That just a bad start and a bad lucker run with injuries and that was then they were finished it's not going to happen to St Johnson they're not going to get relegated and I, don't, I, think, I actually don't think they're going to be fine but there is potential that they could say finish in the bottom six or go out early and really early in the Cups I mean I don't know what it's hard to say what their expectations are for the Cups based yeah. on what they did last year I think there's potential that they could regress not that I'm but I wouldn't say that's what I'm yeah. and also Davison can get poached you could, yeah, you could lose it. Not, yeah, that all does come, uh, come down to Davison still it, here, but I, I, I'm, I'm basing this on him still being there. Yeah. I imagine he'll still be there, and I feel his manager capability will be uh, good enough to take yeah. these players you know, one place higher, at very least. A lot of people have penciled in, uh, what do you call it, St Johnston is a part of, the, part of a top five. They're in, they're in my top five. I don't think I'd, I'm, 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 I'm putting, I'm doing pencil, not pen, put it that way. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, the one, the one thing they have going for them, they do have a pretty favourable start. I mean, first four fixtures, you've got Ross County in their opening game, which we've already discussed, Ross County. Mm-hmm. Then Motherwell at home, then Dundee United at home, and then away to the final team we've yet to talk about, St Mirren, which is probably going to be the hardest test in the next two months before they get to their, fir- their first game against Rangers then they get hit by a pretty bad triple header Rangers at home then Aberdeen Hibs away but I suppose they've had a decent record at Easter Road so I mean not nothing to suggest they can't get something else as well mm. uh, I think that is probably just going to do us for St Johnson and we've got the final club of our 12 to discuss bringing this near the end of our show uh, we come to St Mirren uh, the Paisley Club impressed a lot of people last season and they were pretty unlucky not to finish sixth uh, which would have been their first th- first time finishing in the top six for the first time in their in the history of it, kind of the split. So, who do I come to? Who 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 wants to talk about St Mirren? Is it is it St Mirren or is it Kilmarnock? <laughs> <laughs> and I know Sean did this a few years. Sean Sean did this a few years. They call your team the Ayrshire Martin. Yeah, I mean St Mirren. I mean the Pisa Kelly. <laughs> Basically, I like it. Greg County, Alan Power, and Brophy all there. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting transfer strategy, to be honest. I mean, probably some of the better performers for Kilmarnock. I mean, I, I, I like the submitting team as as it stood. Uh, <laughs> I think it could it could be a fairly decent season again for submitting. I, I don't know what you guys are thinking. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm watching. Okay, sir. Well, it's not on you guys. Just I agree with Jack. Need to keep their Irish duo of Conor McCarthy and Jimmy McGrath if they're Absolutely. going to have a better season than last year. McGrath was McGrath was sensational, and so was McCarthy, just in a quieter sense. But that's the key for them, just keeping those players until August, and then you're hoping that some of the signings produce. Brophy had a terrible; it was not good, but he had it was quite 
broken up. He had some injuries, yeah. struggled to settle. A summer and a change into... They've changed, I think, at the back. Because their primary system, they might have flip and flop. But that might help him. But mainly, for my thing is, keep those two players and you have a good chance in the top six. And I think they will. They seem, they seem like... I know there's mm-hmm. interest for uh, the, the pair of them, but yeah. they've, been, they've knocked back bids already, which mm-hmm. I think it was... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was three hundred thousand from McGrath. Uh, three or four from Wigan, yeah. And uh, hundred thousand uh, from McCarthy as well. So, mm-hmm. I'm 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 very happy to be seeing the Scottish club knocking back kind of these minimal fees that a lot of other clubs would see them as. So, I feel like they could expect probably hold on to them for at least another season, but. Taylor, Graham was talking about potentially regression from St. from St. Johnston. If St. Johnston do regress a bit further down, do you think St. Mary could jump at the chance to potentially go above them? Yeah, uh, that's all the possibility um, that that could happen. Um, if St. Johnston do have a bad season, um, we we seen that you know it was uh, St. Johnston that picked St. Mary to the top six finish with two goals. So if it was going to come down to that, it's basically where they two goals gonna come from and I feel like someone might have addressed that, especially, you know, Eamon Brophy now settled in, um, having, you know, uh, more settled uh, more experienced defenders such as Charles Dunn, uh, Scott Tanzer, even from St Johnson, and then bring in Greg Kelty and Alan Power. Mm-hmm. They're on paper they're good signings and it looks like they have addressed where they could bring, you know, more defensive solidity and more at goals. However, it is a very, very if they want, it's the same with um, it's just the same with Hearts. I don't know where they're going to finish, but I'm saying that I don't know where they're going to finish. But I'm predicting it be somewhere at my table when we get to the predictions. I'll tell you where. But I do back them. I have a relatively same season last time. Fairly similar to how it finished. Uh Struan, any final thoughts on St Mirren before we move on to our league league table predictions? Uh, they just missed out on top six last season. Able to be in there again this season. They might make it. Yeah, it's about all I can say that's left, really. Keeping hold of Jamie McGrath will be really important. A couple of hammer throwers and Alan Power and Curtis Mayan as well. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I, Ka- I like the look of Curtis, Curtis Mayan, actually. I think he'll fit in well. <laughs> no? no. Don't like Curtis I'm not a huge Curtis Mayan fan. I like Kelty. I Kelty a good person. Kelty's got potential. No, it doesn't suit you. Ah, well. Even we never sent you. Uh, that's going to bring us to an end of Ireland's team breakdown. We're now going to go in ascending order, laying out our predicted final league tables. Going to start with Mr. Sinclair. Who do you have finishing bottom of the Premiership this season? Uh, this might be the similar across the board, Ross County. Ross County. You called him a bin fire. I think it's going to reach a wildfire come the, come the end of the season. Lovely. I am also putting Ross County bottom of my predicted league table. Taylor, how about yourself? I'll, I'll make it a 180 to that Ross County. <laughs> three from three, Garvey. This may surprise some people, but I have gone for Ross County. That's a bingo! <laughs> That, that's four yeses, you're through to, you're feels through to the next round. It feels go. good not having to you know, have Hamilton in this debate. It <laughs> feels good. I know, it's it, it quite nice to just have a definitive bottom place team and not have to hum and haul over whether it is going to be Hamilton this season. Uh, up into 11th, Graham, who do you have finishing in the playoff place? They'll survive. Uh, I have Livingston in 11th place. 
That's when they were just a gong there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the, the impending dooms. I have Livingston. Season. I have Livingston in 11th place. Uh, and then, just for a little added thing, I think they'll go down and Dunfermline will come up. Oh, you think Dunfermline are coming up through the playoffs? Okay. Yes. Uh, Struin, what about you? I have also got Livingston as my 11th place team. Taylor? Well, this is not looking very different. Well, I, I feel like we're all in the same person now, because I've got Livingston in uh, my 11th place team, and I feel Dale Steele. I also have Livingston in my 11th place team. And I, and I think and I think they could stay up by the skin skin of their teeth in the playoffs. I think it's going to be a very very narrow affair. Whoever they play, be it well, I predicted Kilmarnock finished in second, so be it Kilmarnock or one off. Who did I have third and fourth? Cali or Wraith? I think it was one one of the three. Then I can't uh, remember. I can't remember either. It was yesterday, too long ago. Tenth, uh, up into tenth. This could be potentially where things start mm-hmm. to change a little bit. So, Graham, who finishes tenth? I give you this one. I've got Motherwell down. I don't. I've got Motherwell as well. I'm not sure I agree with that. It's, it's them and ninth are pretty much up and change. I go for Motherwell. Yeah. I've also seen Motherwell in Motherwell in tenth. Uh, Taylor, how about you? I've spiced it up. Hey. Something I different. Have, I've went for Dundee United. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna fall a bit further down than they were last season. Okay, Struan, how about you? I'm afraid I've also gone with Motherwell. <laughs> well, well I, th- I three three instead of four. That's not too bad. A bit a slight difference for the first time. Uh, up into ninth then, Graham. Uh, Dundee United. <laughs> oh, I, th- I think I think the rest of our league tables are the exact same. To be honest, last like, mm, I doubt it. Oh, you do- okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Struan, who do you have in ninth? <laughs> I have United as well. Taylor, is this where you've got Motherwell? Yes, exactly. I've got Motherwell. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the United in me. <laughs> At least we all have a different champion, eh? That's a long podcast. Folks are getting it done early. Uh, eighth place. Am I, well, am I predicting? Can I, can I just start doing predictions of who everyone's put for eighth, considering we seem to all be picking the same Well, Jack, you can Yeah, I think you'll okay predict. Dundee in eighth. Uh, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Well, this is when I go big. I've got hearts. Ooh. I think my I, I changed. I had hearts above Dundee in seventh, and then I talked about both those teams. Realised I was more high on Dundee and changed it around. I think I think there's potential for hearts to a very toxic environment in that club. So, and I okay, yeah. Okay. You predict hearts to finish the bottom six. That is absolutely bold for you. <laughs> I would have predicted it regardless, but I predicted them below Dundee. I think Dundee had an excellent end to that season. I think they've kind of recruited well, but his Hearts have done nothing. I really can't believe you went for the bottom six with Hearts. There we go. Fuck you, Jamie and Cam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up into seventh then, Graham. This is where you've put Dundee, if I'm, if I'm correct. It is where I've put Dundee, yes. Uh, Struan, who have you put in seventh? I have St Mirren in seventh. I think they're okay. just going to miss out on the top six once again. Taylor. I for hearts. So you, so you just lambasted the game for having hearts in the bottom six. And then yeah, I'm just glad that he agrees with me. I'm just happy. I might want to change now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Graham, if it's any consolation, I also have hearts, hearts in the bottom six. Oh, I've put hearts in seventh as well. Yeah. I'm a bit surprised. I think most people are putting hearts in the top six. To be honest, no, I, th- I think seventh is. I, f- I feel like hearts are going to be a bit of a like. You know, I do agree. There could be that element of toxicity, and I think. Because their window's been fairly underwhelming, I, b- I do believe 
they do have a new man in Edinburgh just now. They just need to announce him. He's been training with Hearts. Uh, Benny Beringami, I think I've said is something along those lines. The young young midfielder from Everton. I think he's on the precipice of signing for the club. But aside from that, I still think they need a couple of players in to really kind of make that push into the top six. And I think seventh would be a realistic expectation for this Hearts side anyway. But we'll see how it pans out. Right, into the split, into the top half of the split. Graham, who have you got finishing sixth? I have St Mirren sixth. I also have St Mirren in sixth. Struan? Uh, this is where I have hearts. This is where you have hearts. Taylor, have you got St Mirren in sixth? Correct, Amundo. Right, oh, fifth. Do we all have St Johnston? We all have St Johnston. Yes, we all have St Johnston. Okay, that was easy enough. Uh, fourth. Uh, I've got the Dons. You've got the Dons in fourth. Okay. Graham? I have Hibs. Taylor? I have Aberdeen. I've got Hibs in fourth. But I do think they'll win it at least. I do think they'll win a cup this season. I'm not sure I think Aberdeen will finish above Hibs, but I just want it to be different. Aberdeen won 5-1 last week, so why not? Let's have a bit, <laughs> let's have a bit of fucking fun. You can have a bit more fun if you tell me your third place team and it's someone other than Hibs. Or Aberdeen, rather, sorry. <laughs> nah, it's Go Aberdeen. It. It's Aberdeen. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I've got Aberdeen in, uh, in third as well. Um, I'm, I like the look of the team. I think I've been impressed by the signings they've made. I'm looking forward to seeing Stephen Glass play them in the Premiership a bit more with his philosophy rather than just kind of working with what he had last season. Now they've had a full pre-season to get to grips with things. I'm, I'm interested. I'm intrigued by it, so... Bring it on. Uh, Taylor, how, is this where you've got uh, the Leith boys? Um, um, oh. Can you come back to me? Uh, no, no, I don't think I want to come back to you. I think I would like to know who you've got in third. Um, uh, uh, Say it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you got written down on a, pe- on a page right now? I've got a screenshot when I've done the Scottish Premiership table predictions and I've put a team there, but... It's um, Ross County. <laughs> I want to change it. No, 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 you need to double down. This, this yeah, is us okay. this season, double uh, down. I'm, yeah, I'm doubling down. I've put Hibs in for <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> so much. Do you think I said I miss podcast with you? Why? Yeah. Stuart, uh, I'd imagine you have Hibs in third. Yeah, I do have Hibs in third. I've actually, yeah. Well, then I'd imagine the top two doesn't really need much discussion. Second Celtic. And first, wait, second Celtic? Oh. No, I do have Celtic second. <laughs> no yeah. one like that. I've got to say, I've got to say that right now. <laughs> you can't even make a joke about it. <laughs> and first, Rangers retaining their title mm. two in a row. We all agreement there. There we go. I think it'll be slightly closer than last year I and do closer agree. People, yeah. than people expect, but I do have Rangers winning the league. Yeah. We may actually get somewhat of a title race. Tails going for the another undefeated no, season. No, it's definitely going to be closer by the way. Like, it's not going to be 25 points. I've got a feeling that will be in the single digits, but I'm just. I'm not convinced with Celtic squad at this moment in time. Hopefully they make signings and. No, hopefully they don't. Hopefully, hopefully they sign Joe Hart, Sir Herbert, sign Joe Hart, and say that's enough. Here we go, Tony Nelson's on the ball. Tony Nelson, captain. 
No, what I want is a helicopter Sunday for second place with Hibs and Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> what, what should what, what's the helicopter delivering? Mediocrity. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, well that's going to wrap up who we have uh, from 12, uh, 12 to 1st. Actually, right, we'll go we'll go and say from twelve from first down, everyone's gonna, just going to give me their full table. So, Graham, who is your final predicted Premiership table from first down to 12th? Well, Rangers in 1, Celtic in 2, Aberdeen in 3, Hibs in 4, St Johnson in 5, St Mirren in 6, Dundee in 7th, Hearts in 8th, Dundee United in 9th, Motherwell in 10th, The Lions in 11th, and Ross County will be going down automatically. Lovely. Taylor Murray. Uh, top four consists of Rangers finishing first, Celtic finishing second, Hibs third, and Aberdeen fourth. And uh, finish off the top six will be St Johnston fifth and St Mirren sixth. Uh, the top half of the bottom six will be Hearts and Dundee. And then the bottom four will be Murrow finishing ninth, Dundee missing the playoffs in tenth, Livingston in the playoffs but winning in eleventh, and then Ross County at the foot of the table. We also said I think Taylor's right, there's a gap of, there's a gap for the last four, isn't there? Aye, there is going to be a bit of a gap for the last four. Aye. Uh, Struan, how about yourself? Uh, I've got Rangers to retain, Celtic to be second, not do much, Hibs third, Aberdeen fourth, St Johnston fifth, Hearts sixth, St Mirren seventh, just going to miss out again, Dundee eighth, Dundee United tenth, Mud- no, hang on, Dundee seventh, yep, yep, Dundee seventh, Dundee United eighth, Motherwell ninth, Liv- I've done it again. <laughs> You've just I've done, done it again. Go, <laughs> I've go, not got go numbers. Again. Who's sixth? Hearts are right, six. Sixth is Hearts. St. Mirren seven. Dundee eight. United nine. Motherwell ten. Livy eleven. Ross County twelve. There we go. I've not got numbers. I keep scribbling my things out. I've, uh, it's a mess. Well, I, wouldn't, I've written, I wouldn't want to show I've you. I've not my written notes. this down, so I'm going to try and have to remember this off the top of my head. So I have Rangers retaining their title in first. Celtic back in second. Aberdeen up to third. Celt- uh, not Celtic. Hibs down to fourth. Uh, St. Johnson in fifth again. St. Mirren making sixth. Hearts in seventh. Dundee in 8th and D United in ninth once again Motherwell down to 10th Livingston into 11th in the playoffs and Ross County going straight down in 12th before we wrap up I would like one big shout about this league season from each of you Just it can be absolutely anything it can be as ridiculous as it wanted to be it can be as kind of nailed on as you want it to be I just want a big shout, a big thing that you think is going to happen in the 2021-2022 Scottish Premiership <laughs> season. Struan, I'm going to come to you because I, f- I feel like you- your big shouts are few and far between and I would like you to make one immediately. I think Rangers are going to go invincible again. <laughs> yes! In the, in, the, in the league only. In the league only. Okay. Okay, we'll see if that pans out then. Uh, Taylor has been massively excited by that, so I'm going to go to him next. Um, you know what? Since, since you know, Struan done our Rangers, you shout out for Celtic. I don't think Celtic will have a top goal scorer in the top three. Okay. Oh, so, aye, so there's not going to be one Celtic rep in the top three yeah. goal scorers in the division. Okay. Uh, Graham. <laughs> Dandy, I think go into administration. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless them man no. uh, my big, my biggest shout I said this on something the other day but I think Liam Boyce is going to be in the top 3 goal scorers in the Scottish Premiership because I think he's going to be Hart's main source of goals and one of their only sources of goals 
uh, despite how well Gary McCarry-Steven and Josh Janelli may play, they will just service uh, Liam Boyce this season, and he's going to be one of the three best goal scorers in the country. Uh, that is going to bring this very, very long preview podcast to an end. Thank you very much for listening and listening all the way through if you did. Uh, we cannot wait for the season to get started, and we hope you'll stick with us here at Energy Sport throughout all the quality and all the chaos. If you haven't already, check out our Championship Preview podcast, which we did yesterday. Uh, it's up on the feed right now. And while you're there, make sure to follow us so you never miss another podcast from us. Definitely make sure to follow us over on our socials, at Energy Sport on Twitter and Instagram. And we're just Energy Sport on Facebook. Stay locked to energysport.net for all sorts of excellent sports content. We have been going absolutely mental this year with the amount that we've been putting out podcasts, interviews, features, match reports. We're doing it all across a range of sports. Thank you massively to Graham, Struan and Taylor for joining me here today. It's a pleasure to be back podcasting with you guys for the last year that we're going to have. And it's we'll get sadder the closer we get to the end, but we're just going to have to enjoy it while we can, aren't we? Yeah, we're excited right now. We're not sad, we're excited. Thank you. I defer a special podcast coming out whenever Jack and Sean get it. We've got a special one to record tomorrow. We do indeed. We do indeed. Jack and Sean as... Uh, as uh, panellists rather than hosts for a change which is going to be I think the first time that's happened on a regular podcast which is exciting Uh, thank you to everyone again for listening we really do appreciate it and we will see you all very soon